welcome to the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lukna, the Action Accelerator, and I'm joined today by my co-host... Wuntan. Sorry, I was like, I was pausing for a Our resident <laughs> podcast expert who just paused for dramatic effect. The Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And we have an amazing guest who is currently in the Bahamas. So she's having better weather than I am at this moment in time. Natasha Miller. Natasha is an anti-racism advocate, travel junkie, and obsessed with sushi. Oh, thank God there's someone else in the world that's obsessed with sushi. She's also the founder of Mindfro Travel, which is a company all about promoting humanity through cultural awareness. For the last decade, Natasha has lived and worked in four different countries across North America, the Middle East, and China. She's currently enjoying the bohemian weather while assisting her mom's travel business and doing virtual workshops and coaching clients on anti-racism for individuals and organizations. Natasha, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Livna. Appreciate that warm welcome. I was like, OMG, that's totally me. (laughs) (laughs) I, I still have it when someone introduces me like, are you talking about me? Are you sure? Seriously. It's like, wow, oh my gosh. Yeah. So let's start with the most important question of the podcast. What's your favorite sushi and why? My favorite sushi is called the angel roll. The angel roll. Let me tell you about the awesome deliciousness of this angel roll, Lubna. I've never heard of this And listeners. This one, actually, it's, I think it's like a signature sushi roll from a place in Miami called Sushi Saki. This roll is complete. With avocado, complete with shrimp tempura, complete with crab salad. Yes, crab salad, people. Cucumber, and we have some little crunchy flakes on the top. And of course, it is drizzled in eel sauce. (laughs) And you dip that thing in some spicy mayo and listen, you have yourself a time. That is amazing. The way you describe it is, I'm completely so... I need sushi right now. That is like, I need sushi too, because like, I'm on a really, really tiny island in the Bahamas. And you know, one of the things we don't have is a mall. But the other thing we don't have is a restaurant that sells sushi. And I have been like, during COVID-19, I've been completely sushi free. So I'm just like, oh, I want some sushi. And my mom too. She's like, she's become a fan. Most Bahamians, we have to become a fan of sushi. And you know, her birthday, actually, her birthday is coming up next week. So what I'm going to do is the same angel roll. We are both like obsessed with it. So I'm going to fly it in for her birthday from Miami to the Bahamas. Wow. Because we love sushi. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love, 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 love that. So how were you introduced to sushi? Because I already heard it. you say it. You need to be introduced to sushi as a Bohemian. Well, I'm a Moroccan. For us, it's the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the Bahamas, sushi is not a main cuisine. Let's put it in that way. You know, we have like our local Bahamian food, our conch, our stew and everything. But sushi is not one of them. And one of the reasons is like when I was in high school, for example, before I was introduced to the amazing delectableness that is sushi, we always thought of sushi and associated with raw fish. 
But Bahamians is like, ooh, raw fish. No, that's so nasty. I don't want that. So I moved to Miami. And then one of my friends invited me for sushi. I said no. Another friend invited me for sushi. I said no. And then one girl who happens to be my best friend told me, let's go for sushi. And I'm like, fine. Do they have other stuff there? I'll sit with you. But like, I don't want any sushi, okay? <sighs> we go to the sushi restaurant. Listen to me, Lubna. Listen to me, Woon. Listen to me. Everybody that's listening. She almost ruined my sushi journey. She almost ruined it. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what she did. So she's like, Natasha, just try it. It's a California roll. It has this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, fine. There's nothing raw in this. I could do this. I get the sushi. And she's, I'm like, what is this green thing? And she's like, oh, it's avocado. And I'm like, love avocado. <laughs> Let me put some extra avocado on this California roll. Yes! And I do that. And she watches me do that. And she's like, what's, I'm like, what's this other thing? And then she's like, ginger. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just put a little bit for taste. And I like took the entire like tablespoon of wasabi and like <laughs> smashed it on my sushi. And then, you know, those cartoons that have like smoke uh-huh. coming out of your ears and out of your nose. And like my eyes are watering. Like I was just like, what is And then I found out wasabi is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh so my she God. Ruined it for me. And this is your best friend. Hack- Bestie. Hashtag I love her. Hashtag BFF. Hashtag she obviously doesn't love me the way I love her because she let me burn my tongue off. And you swore off sushi. You know, I don't know what gave me the heart to keep going. It must have been like, I don't know. I guess I figured out that it was the wasabi that was this like not for me i don't eat wasabi now because of that experience even if i went on an extra kick to my sushi i'm like i'll take it without give me the black pepper i don't know that's strange but i'm not using any wasabi i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm scarred for life but i don't know what kept me going i think it's because i really like i think shrimp i really like shrimp so most of the sushi that i adore is tempura shrimp i do love me a little bit of salmon i'll top these days you know what i mean a little bit of tuna on top these uh-huh, days. Uh-huh. but i think I think that's what kept me going. But tell me about your favorites. I want to hear it. Ooh, well, my favorite is still a California roll. Really? It's still the one I order. It's a starter sushi. If I had to convert anyone from not liking sushi to sushi, I would say start with a California roll. Yeah. So it was my starter sushi, and I still love, love, love it. Even my nieces of three and one adore the California roll. That's what they eat and they just dribble. And it's fun to watch a three-year-old and a one-year-old dissect a California roll and eat it. So it's one of my favorite. I love tuna more than I love salmon, to be really honest. Mm -hmm. And it can go all ways. It can go into spicy tuna. It can go into sashimi tuna. I love tuna. And then the third one that I really love is a nigiri with salmon and mango Mm -hmm. sauce on top or a mango slice on top. Mm, I haven't tried that, but it sounds good. Yeah. So those are my favorites. Well, for me, it's right. the salmon. The one that's plain and simple with rice, salmon, and mm-hmm. you know, just a salmon maki. And that to me is good enough. And like, yeah, that was that, that texture and that mixture mm-hmm. was, um, was always exciting to me. Mm, I like it. Are you guys sauce people or no? 
yeah, I take a dollop of you know soy sauce and a and wasabi. So it's very straightforward for me, and I love it. I love it plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. So if you and love I, it. I love it too. Yeah, I use soy sauce to be fair. Sometimes even chili flakes in the soy sauce to make it more spicy than whatever. I love me some wasabi. Mm-hmm. And I had a similar experience as you did. Someone said to me, no, no, you can take that. It's actually very delicious. And I took a full spoon of wasabi. Wow, we're twinsies. Oh my gosh, look, we're twinsies. It happened to me too. I cursed the person that did this to me. <laughs> Pretty sure I cursed you too. It was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Drink water, do something. I mean, you don't know what to do in that moment in time because you're like, what is going on? And how can that person do something like this to you? But it hasn't stopped me from still keeping putting some wasabi on my sushi, to be fair. Mm. (laughs) You're not as traumatized as I was. Have you guys seen those, I believe it must be Japanese game shows, where they hide the wasabi in the sushi, and then let people just choose the the sushi, and what what unlucky person would just burn their head off. Oh, I feel their pain for that unlucky person. I feel their pain. That's a TV game show. I watched about watching those. (laughs) Oh, God. I really love it. I love it. Yeah, no. So it's great to hear all of these experiences around sushi. And I'm actually very curious. What, according to you, is the connection between sushi and cultural awareness? Ooh, that's a really, really, really good question. What I would say the connection would be is understanding that though we might be a little different, we are all coming from the same boat, if you know what I mean. Like, for example, I've had sushi in China, I've had sushi in Dubai, I've had sushi in Bali, I've had sushi in like 10 plus countries worldwide, probably much more than that. And there's always rice. There's always the same, you know, the same roundness. So even though we're different, you know, Lubna, like you said, you're from Morocco, I'm from the Bahamas. Woon is from Malaysia, living in the Netherlands, living in, you know, the UK, living in the Bahamas. But at the end of the day, we can still share a love of something, you know, like, even though we're from different cultures or from different backgrounds, I think becoming aware of the fact that just because, you know, somebody is from another place doesn't mean we can't connect in some way. In our case, it's sushi. In someone else's cases, it might be sports. In someone else, it might be the love of makeup. But I think that it's important that rather than looking for the things that make us different, we appreciate the things that make us similar and try to look to those things to, you know, create a place that's safer for everybody to be. Lubna, there are Authentic selves. Oh. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect because I think it's a very important message. Let's be honest. I mean, we are different, but we're also so alike and we're all human beings. I mean, let's be honest. So, you've shared a little bit how your passion for sushi started. Can you share with us how your passion for promoting humanity through cultural awareness started? Sure. So actually, it started, I think, early on in Miami. When I was in Miami, you know, this was my most culturally indulgent place ever. I live in the Bahamas, so obviously there's white and there's black. There's not, 
We don't have many Moroccans going to my high school. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I need to move. <laughs> oh, no. Stop it. And then, so in Miami, I'm going to school with like 20, 30, 40 plus different nationalities. And in addition to that, I was one of those students that was like super active outside class. I'm like the president of the Caribbean Student Association, the vice president of Model United Nations. And what led me to this cultural awareness thing was I was an international assistant and an international student mentor. So when students were coming in, this is their first time in the U.S. For most of them, it's their first time leaving home. And I am trusted to have that first conversation with them, you know, when they're planning their trip, when they're figuring out what to wear, you know, coming from different cultural backgrounds to the U.S., which is like, you know, it's like all cultures, anything that you can find. So that really opened my eyes because I was basically the person, their trustee, the person that they trusted with, you know, their move, their smooth move into the U.S. So I got to learn more about Greece, learn more about Saudi Arabia, Bermuda, like you name it, because I'm having like five to 10 students that come in every year that I am in charge of, you know, their entry journey. And when you're in charge of their entry journey, then you build a relationship. So you stay with them like throughout the years and stuff. So I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know it was like that. Oh, wow, that is so cool. Oh my gosh, that's your country that has the pyramid. That's so crazy. So that like gave me an opening about there's so much more to the world than the Bahamas and the US, you know what I mean? So that built my curiosity. And that's why after I went to university in Georgia, I finished getting my MBA, worked in Orlando for a year, and then I had to come back to the Bahamas because that's just how it works for international students in the U.S. That's just the way it is. So I wanted to travel more because I've already gotten this itch, this itch for culture, this itch and this love for, you know, diversity and just the different availability of culture and ethnicities around on the world. And then after applying, 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 and applying thousands of applications, I got a job in Dubai. And when I was on my way to Dubai, I thought that Dubai was like Middle Eastern people, period, Arabs, period. I had no idea. And, you know, I'm reading up on this, right? And on the blogs that I'm reading, it's like, make sure you wear a long sleeve shirt. Make sure your skirt like drags on the floor or else, you know, people are going to look at you in a certain way. So get there. And fun fact, that's not the way it is in Dubai at all. First no. of all, it's extremely multicultural. <laughs> what are you saying, Lubna? No, no, it's true. I mean, I can totally understand that being the idea and the perception of, but believe me, it's a very, very modern and multicultural <laughs> place to go to. Thank you for backing me up on that. And it's the truth. So go to Dubai and I'm like, literally, I'm working at the front desk now, right? And I am literally like working with a Russian on my right, an Egyptian on my left. I go to lunch with a Kenyan. And then I go to the office for HR for whatever reason. And there's like two Indians there. And then this person is coming in and they're Slovakian. And it's just like Sri Lankan, like everything that you can think of. And I'm working with them, you know? So I'm working with like 60 plus nationalities. And it's not like a high and by relationship. Because I've already built that love for culture, I'm asking, so Lubna, what do you guys eat in Morocco? So what's this like? So what's that like? You know what I mean? So like that built my curiosity. And then this, at the same time, knowing who I was before I went there, I was the person who didn't take anything that was short. All my short shorts I left home because I was thinking, oh my God, I don't want to be offensive to the culture, which is true in some cases, but my lack of knowledge and trusting people that blogs 
Okay, this is a definite thing that I need to say. Every blog that you read is not right, especially as it relates to culture, especially when it's written by somebody who is either not from that culture or never lived there. If you visit Morocco for a week, do not write an article about the Moroccan culture, period. <laughs> Don't do it. And stay away from those people, people. They will lead you astray because whatever they bring is going to be based on a week's worth of experience, which, trust me, is absolutely nothing because the experience that my friends or my guests when they go to Dubai is not the experience I have. My friends will go to Dubai and they don't even know like the language. They don't even understand like the culture. They don't understand much of anything. They understand that, oh my God, the food is great. Oh my God, I went to this great place. Oh my God, the mall is huge and this building is awesome. Yeah. But I think that the best part of travel is the culture. And you really get to like dig deep into the culture and understand the way people work without judgment, by the way, without judgment. Because everybody can be judged. Even if you go to some place and you're like, oh my gosh. Like, let me tell you a story about my best friend. I'm sorry, I'm like so rambling, but you know, this is my passion. Go! I asked your passion. That's what you're giving thank me. You. Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I'm going to give everybody a very good example of being respectful of a culture, even when it's different from yours. One of my best friends, not the sushi one, not the one, the wasabi girl. This is the one I met in Dubai. She is Gambian. She is Muslim Gambian, right? So first of all, most people think that Africans are not Muslim. They don't understand that. So she is Muslim Gambian. I am Bahamian Christian. And we had a conversation once where it's like, my mom and my dad are not married yet. I exist. And she has family members that have like, you know, two or three wives in their family. So for her, that's normal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you have two or three different wives in one house. How does that work? Do they not fight? Like, how does that happen, et cetera? And for me, she's like, but your mom and dad are not married. How do your parents feel about that? Is that okay? And I'm like, what? She's like, what? But we never went like, how could they do that? Do they know what that is? And she's not letting me like, oh my gosh, how could your mom and dad do that? Their parents must be. We understand that our cultural backgrounds are different. I don't judge her. If her husband decides to have another wife tomorrow, I will not feel any way. If I have a baby tomorrow out of wedlock, hopefully that doesn't happen. But if it does, then, you know, like she's not going to judge me. And I think that if people will get beyond that, oh my gosh, my culture is the best culture in the world and everything that I say and everything that I do is correct, that would open the gates and open the opportunity to really be able to understand other people. Because if you put this wall up of I'm the best thing since sliced bread, you'll never be able to try the delicious breads in the world. And trust me, people, there is delicious bread around the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's my long spiel. <laughs> We're talking food, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking food on this podcast. But I really love that you shared it because let's be honest, the definition of extremism, extremism, I'm fumbling over the word. Uh, I can't even pronounce it correctly. Is the fact that you believe that your perspective on the world, that your upbringing is the norm. And exactly. that is what gets us all into trouble because there is no norm. We live in a multi-plural world with many, many, many perspectives, many cultures, many ways to look at the world and to look at another human being. And I think yes. that when we realize that, and I believe that that is so important about cultural awareness is there are differences and you will find some cultures are even more different than yours. I mean, look, some of the tribes that live in the jungle, believe me, they live a very, very different life from us and they're happy with it. I mean, 
and it's so enriching to keep an open mind. You don't have to adopt the other perspective. You don't have to agree with the other perspective. Just let it be. Yes, exactly. So like, for example, like you were talking about people that live in the jungle. When I was in Kenya, right, I had the opportunity to meet with Maasai people. These people live, I know, right? Amazing. This is what you get when you have friends from different culture, guys. We had a totally different experience. I didn't just go on a safari. I like met Maasai people. So I went there. So we went there, right? And like we were taking gifts because I said, I don't want to go empty handed. This is awesome. So we took gifts there. And then when we went there, they're living in houses that are made out of like cow manure, right? And, you know, they don't have a lot of stuff. They don't shop on Amazon. Like, they don't have Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? They are happy, a better term in this moment. That's their lifestyle. I am probably not going to be a person that would do that based on the fact that I'm 30 now and I've been brought up in a certain way. But if I was born Maasai, that would be the life that I live and that would be the life that I love. So, you know, people look at people and sometimes even look down and I'm like, oh my gosh, they live in this house. It's made of cow poop. Oh, wow. Let me give them a dollar. But for them, it's not even like that. In some instances, of course, there are times when people need that, you know, financial support. But I think that another thing that really like pisses me off for lack of a better term is people think that Africa is just like, oh my God, everybody's so poor. Look at the children. Because of the media, they're like, oh, The house that I lived in was a 10-bedroom mansion, guys. My friend worked with me in Dubai, so obviously she's not the richest person in the world. And she lives in a 10-bedroom house on a farm with cows and all all the things that you eat she has on a farm. So I just want to dispel that perspective to Africa. First of all, it's a continent, not a country. Second of all, everybody there is not poor and their ribs are not showing. I'm thinking, okay, you need a travel or a culture podcast if you haven't got one. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Oh, you know how much that warms my heart from a travel expert extraordinaire like yourself. <laughs> I really, I story. but yeah, it's just a passion. You know, like there are people that are passionate about different things. There are people that are passionate about human trafficking. I am also people that are passionate about, you know, child hunger and stuff. This cultural awareness, especially when you are in it and when you see the effects of it with people, like when I come back to the Bahamas or go back to the U.S., the types of questions that I'm asked and I'm like, no, it's not like that. Oh my gosh, how does she? No, that's not like that. No, it's not like that. No, you should ask better questions, but you can't ask better questions because your mind has not yet been opened to know even what questions to ask. Yeah. So it's a whole thing. <laughs> how, much, how long is this podcast? I feel like I could go on for 10 feet. <laughs> as long as we need to make it. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, the very first podcast that I was a guest on, Mm-hmm. very first way it's been two and a half years and i literally said to the host if you ask me questions i keep answering yeah little did i know that they were so interested that they kept asking me questions so about the, okay look no we don't have any questions more and i said okay so how long was this 45 minutes they were like are you serious i said yeah because to me it feels like 45 minutes and they were like no we've been at it for two and a half hours Wow. As I check the time to make sure, <laughs> because this feels like nothing. It feels like 10 minutes to me right now because but you guys it, are such great hosts. And like, <laughs> so but but honestly, I, that's, if that's you're in flow, 
you can talk for many hours and it will still feel like you've been talking for 45 minutes. So, exactly. I mean, we're not going to talk that long. I mean, it was the longest and I didn't feel it at all, but it's horrendous for people listening to it because they can't listen to it in one go. <laughs> it's just too long. <laughs> Who's got two and a half hours to spend in one go these days? Well, oh, people, trust me, have people can't even watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> people who want to get to know you they would spend two hours well if you want to know my life story you understand dutch that's the two and a half hours you need to listen to yeah i saw that podcast and i was like wow that's two hours and that's in dutch wow. unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> fortunately <know>. maybe <laughs> that's quite unfortunate we got to pick up on our dutch wounds so we can watch that podcast <laughs> uh, so natasha um, yes, what got you interested in traveling like getting into the travel business Well, okay, fun fact. The Bahamas is a travel business. Mm. <laughs> the Bahamas is like, it's so heavily dependent on travel. Like right now, for example, you know, we have the pandemic going on and everything. So the economy is not doing very well, to say the least, because we are so dependent on travel. So basically, I was born into this. My island, like I said, is like one by two miles. So obviously, we don't have factories here. So everybody comes here actually to see the number one attraction in the Bahamas, which is the swimming pigs. No, I did not make that up. We have swimming pigs that live like five minutes away from me. Ooh. Yeah. So people come here to see them. And because they come here to see them, of course, they need places to live. Of course, they need places to eat. So our little island economy does pretty well. And then my mom has been working in travel and hospitality for the last like 30 plus years, maybe 40 years. I don't want to, you know, put her age out there, but I think it's like 30 plus, let's say 30 plus years. And I started working in hospitality when I was like 11. Like I remember being a bus girl at 11 and then it just continued on from there. Because like I said, it's a, like the Bahamas has a hospitality culture. You know, there are cultures that you really have to teach how to serve. But for the Bahamas, it's just like, We're really like extremely, extremely friendly, extremely hospitality. You know what I mean? So that's why I think we do well because it's ingrained in us. Good afternoon. I'm going to tell you another story. So in the Bahamas, we greet everybody, everybody, especially if they're older. I could literally get in trouble with my mom if I walk past an older person and not greet them. Like they would literally call my mom like, do you know that Natasha passed me and she didn't even say good morning? Where is our manners? So I moved to Miami, right? And I'm going to Barry University. And I'm like walking into class, like, good morning. Passing people like on the way to the cafeteria. Good morning. Hello. Hi. People are looking at me like super crazy. And I'm like, mom, these Miami folk, they are so rude. Nobody is replying to my good morning. But guess what? That's a cultural thing. So yeah. So long story short, that's where it grew. Like I've been born into it. I really love travel. I love culture. I love hospitality. Hospitality is my background. It's my bread. It's my butter. It's what I do in my sleep. It's what allowed me the vehicle to be able to travel. If I wasn't a hotelier, I wouldn't be able to live in Dubai and work in a hotel. I wouldn't be able to live in China and work in a hotel. So, you know what? All things come together, you know, everything is working itself out. Ooh. That's, how That's how I know this is what I'm supposed to do, you know? You know when everything just works out? It's like, oh, wait, wow, wow. All of that was for this. I went to Dubai, I went to China, lived there, did all this stuff just to be able to promote humanity through cultural awareness. Had nothing to do with hospitality. Even though at the time I was like, I want to be a GM. I'm going to be a female black GM. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do this. And I was like, well, you know, that's not the purpose, but you know what? Whatever makes you happy in this moment. <laughs> 
it is a very important message to share because you might think that the path you're on is hospitality, but it's not. It's the vehicle for you to discover the true passion and purpose behind that. And I think a lot of people are walking around thinking that the path they're on is their purpose and they're trying to fit that in and struggling with it. But it's not. It's actually the environment in which you need to discover your actual purpose. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. That is message. good. That is a great girl. You just put that together, okay? That's exactly it. And it took me so long to realize that because, you know, like before and even now, because I just started my intro travel on my birthday, which was in June. So it's still a baby. You know what I mean? So I'm still going through that. Oh, my God. Do I know enough? Oh, my gosh. Maybe I'm a fraud. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I don't know because I don't have a doctorate in anti-racism. I don't have a bachelor's in diversity. I don't, I'm not an anthropologist. What am I doing here? And, you know, like that could be crippling. That, I wanted to do this for so long. And this pandemic, believe it or not, is one of the things that pushed me into it. Because if I'm super busy, and you know, like I said, in the Bahamas, we're all about hospitality. So June and July are like, there are more guests than locals on my island during that time. So I could have easily pushed myself into that and said, oh, I have to do this. I have to check this email. I have to contact this guest. But because I had nothing to do, I had no choice but to let my passion be brought forth and work on it and like really sit down and be like, you know what, Natasha, you've been pushing this to the back burner too long. You've been saying you're not good enough. You're not this enough. You're not smart enough. You're not knowledgeable enough for too long. Sit down, research, and get yourself together. That's what propelled me into this. So COVID sucks in so many different levels. But, you know, like I said, it was the vehicle. If it wasn't for COVID, I probably would have just been still making excuses why I shouldn't do this. Yeah. I'll call COVID both a curse as well as a blessing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. In many ways. Some people, you know, you need to slow down. A lot of people that like have been just going, you know, when you're just going, you don't know where you're going, how you're going. All you know is you wake up, you go to work, you have kids, you take care of your kids, your kids go to school, they come back home. And you're just like on this like routine kind of, even if today you go for lunch and tomorrow you go for dinner, it's still a routine. Whereas it's like, just go, just go. You have to go to work eight to five, eight to five, maybe eight to nine. Depends on what the boss is, depends on this. And you never really spend time with yourself, which is important. Oh my God, I realize the importance of spending time with yourself. Oh, yeah. Even like, even as a family person, I don't have a family yet, yet, Lubna, but some handsome man is going to hear this podcast and be like, who, who is, what is that voice? She sounds I know. like material. And we want the credit for that. Yeah, yep. don't worry. Don't worry. I'm, I'm going to send you the invites to the wedding for sure. On the Bahamas. But, on the Bahamas. Yeah. I love the show. You're Bring welcome. Bring some sushi. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> Go on a Go sushi date. Sushi in the Bahamas. I'll have my wedding at a sushi restaurant. How about that? Like, not the reception, the actual wedding. <laughs> I know. Now I have to ask the question because of the topic of cultural awareness. The Black Lives Movement. Listen. <gasps> Lubna. Oh my gosh. I see that you want a 10-hour podcast today. <laughs> I do. But I'm not going to do that for the audiences. So this like is so near and dear to me. First of all, I'm from the Bahamas, right? In the Bahamas, like I said, there's black and there's white. There's predominantly black. So I don't have personally in my country where I live right now, I don't have an issue where like I have to say, son, you know, when you see a cop, make sure you do everything they say so they don't shoot you. Or like, I don't have to, like the people that come here are not going to harm me if they're from like, you know, another background or so. So I am blessed for that. 
in that same token, I lived in the U.S. for six years. During my six years in the U.S., actually, I lived in Georgia for two years, a year and a half to be exact. In my year and a half in Georgia, I was racially profiled and arrested twice. So I have a different type of outlook on it, but it's kind of the same. So as a person that went through this, like I went through it myself, but at the same time as a person from the outside kind of looking in, it's like it hurts, number one. It hurts because, you know, like I feel what these people feel. I know what it's like to like walk in a store and the salesperson like, watches everybody else walk in the store and she just stays behind the counter and then when I walk in the store she feels that she has to come out and has to you know look around and has to follow me I know what it's like for somebody to like arrest you for no reason and then charge you for no reason I know what it's like to be in jail for no reason other than you know driving while black and getting a ticket or something like that so I am very very passionate about this movement. So passionate that won't I know you said that I should do a podcast, but actually what I'm doing, I'm like, because I like the camera, I'm a camera person. I wanted to be a TV host in my former life. Still do if you're listening and you need one. But so I do YouTube videos and I have been doing this series and I have like an hour plus worth of, you know, content on this series that I'm doing called Allyship 101 because I understand that the Black Lives Matter is not going to be as effective if everybody isn't inclusive in the fight. And I understand that everybody is not going to be inclusive in the fight if they don't really understand, right? So I did this. I am doing it. So I have videos like microaggressions, how to handle the discomfort of racism, what is systemic racism, do's and don'ts of allyship, what's the difference between being a non-racist versus being an anti-racist. And I'm just trying to think of different topics that people would need to understand the plight because from the outside looking in, you may not understand. You may not understand. And like, if you don't understand, I can't hate you for it because if you don't know, you just don't know, right? Like if you're not able to empathize, then you're not going to be as effective as an ally. You might be like in that performative allyship, which is basically like, you know, you do things for other people to see, but you don't do things for the actual cause. So yeah, so that's why I did that YouTube series because I want people to really empathize. Everybody in the world is not going to be black, but everybody in the world knows what it's like to be targeted. Everybody in the world knows what it's like to be marginalized. Everybody in the world understands when like, you know, if somebody does something unjust to you, how does that feel? If someone like says something to you that is like directed towards you just because of your culture, how does that feel? So that's what I try to bring out in this YouTube series. And it's been helpful. Oh, my gosh. So people have been commenting and saying stuff. And I've been crying because, like, I'm an emotional wreck of a human being. And, um, you know, that, just going back to my previous thing, when I was like, I'm not sure I'm good enough and stuff like that. For anybody listening to this podcast, because this podcast is for entrepreneurs that love sushi, of course. So, like, sometimes our inner gremlin is going to tell us that you're not good enough. You can't do this. You don't have the background for this. You don't have whatever it is that your gremlin is telling you that you don't have. There are people out there that you are called to serve. I don't know if that's two people or 20,000 people, but even if it's just two people, it is your obligation to serve those people. And you do that through whatever entrepreneurial journey that you're on because nine out of ten you're not on an entrepreneurial journey just to make money you're on an entrepreneurial journey because you want to do something you have a passion you have a gift that you want to share with the world so don't allow whoever you're called to serve to miss out 
because your gremlins are stronger than you. We have to be stronger than our gremlins. And like I said, these comments that I see people like, oh my gosh, Natasha, this is so helpful. Natasia, this is so eye-opening. Natasia, wow, this is the best thing that I've read today. Natasia, I love the way you put it. Natasia, I don't feel like shamed and blamed because I'm not that person. They have like influences out there that are like, shame and blame. You guys are all awful, but I am, empathy is my thing. Empathy and respecting perspective, that's what I'm all about. So guys, just follow your passion. Follow it even when the gremlins are like really roaring in your ear. And if you have the opportunity to like take uh, snapshots, that's what I do. I take snapshots of when I get like really good comments or even family members. Like I did a video yesterday that's about like the fact that black people are tired and what that actually means. And it was very emotional. I literally cried during the recording and my video editor sent a message back to me saying like, Natasia, I cried while I was editing this and this is so powerful. And you know, like it really means a lot of learning so much from editing these videos. And he's Pakistani. So like, you know how that feels because he doesn't have to say that. You know what I mean? I pay him, he edits my videos. We have a great life. But for him to like, be like, you know what? Your video touched me to the point of tears. That's what keeps me going. And that's what should keep you guys going too for all those entrepreneurs out there. And even those entrepreneurs that are in here, Lubna, Woon, Gail, whenever I get to meet you in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm really happy you shared that because one of the things that every entrepreneur knows is you're going to probably only know about 1% of the impact you make. There are more lurkers, people that are watching passively and will never let you know the impact that you have made onto their life. And that makes it very difficult as an entrepreneur, especially someone who wants to make an impact, who is purpose-driven and is not in it for the money, just like you said. I mean, I get juiced every time someone leaves a review on my Facebook page, every time someone leaves a review on this podcast, because I'm thinking, okay, there are people wanting this. There are people that are benefiting from this, that are getting value. Even though rationally, I know that's the 1%. There's 90% that's also having value from this, but will never let me know for whatever reason that is. And that's fine. But it's so such a joy to get those messages and to see them that you're thinking, okay, yes, it just juices you up to go a little bit further, to just put in a little bit more of effort, a little bit of motivation and energy. Definitely. And like, you hit the nail on the head and by the way, you just schooled me because I had no idea about that 1% concept. So now I feel like 500 cents right now. I feel like so juiced because I'm like, wow, you know what? Yeah, it's it's usually a much, much bigger percentage of people you're impacting. Wow. See, that's Mm. huge for me. So thank you. Thank you guys for sharing that. I really appreciate that. You juiced me up. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. So as we wrap up, because I, if we don't wrap this up, we're going to keep this going. That's the sense I'm getting from this. So I'm just putting it out there as an intention that we're trying to wrap this up. <laughs> All I can do is as we've gotten to know you, Natasha, a little bit, if you were a sushi, what would the ingredients be? So translate your personality into a sushi for us let me (laughs) you know what i'm gonna go with my fave i'm gonna go with an angel roll and i didn't even remember that it was called an angel roll because i was thinking about the ingredients but i like that i like that a lot so ingredient wise 
I want to be the avocado because I think that I'm smooth and I think that I'm healthy and that I try to be healthy because I try to bring light to people. I try to be, you know, that thing that people can look to for nourishment, you know, especially when they're looking for cultural awareness nourishment. I want to be the crab salad because, you know, things might be mixed up sometimes. I am not a monolith. I am like a very multifaceted person. Today, you know, we're talking about sushi. Tomorrow we can talk about stand-up comedy because I did that too. So I'm crab salad because I have a lot of things that go into me. But at the end of the day, I'm still delicious. Even with all of those other ingredients, I'm still delicious. <laughs> I am a shrimp tempura because sometimes and in some cases I can have a hard shell. But it's just a little bit of crunchy shell. I won't call it hard. Like, I'm not a hard shell person, but I can be crunchy as in I can be like, you know, closed in a little bit, depending on, obviously for you guys, it's just like, yeah, ask me anything. But there are times where I'm closed in. What else is in there? I have rice. I am rice because you know what? I like to keep a, a blank slate when I'm meeting people so that I don't have like these stereotypes that lead me in or unconscious biases, even though they're going to be there, but try to make that. Whereas like when I meet Lubna, when I meet Lubna, I don't meet a Moroccan. I meet Lubna, who mm -hmm. happens to be Moroccan. When I meet Woon, I don't meet Woon, the Malaysian. I meet Woon, who just happens to have a Malaysian background, which has great food. If you haven't tried Malay food, guys, you're missing out on life. Oh, my God. But anyway, I digress. We're talking about food. What else is there in my role? Crab salad, avocado, there's shrimp, there's rice, there is salmon. Because you know what? I feel like I am a fish in the water because there are so many different types of fishes around me. And I think that's what makes the universe an awesome place. Whether you're a shark or a guppy, you matter and you deserve to be here. Oh my God, I love that analogy. Thank you. I know. <laughs> and your business, Mind Throw Travel, would the ingredient mm -hmm. change? Mm. Ooh, if it was in Mind Throw Travel, I would add the eel sauce because it's sweet. And, you know, like Mindfro Travel, the, I don't know what to call it. Anyway, my acronym is I Care, which is Inspire Cultural Awareness, Respect, and Empathy. So when you come there, you can expect a smiling face. Like, you don't come there and I'm like, all right, let's go to work. How dare your people do this to my people, people? I'm not that person. I don't want to come at you like that because I want you to receive. And I know that, you know, if someone comes at me harsh, I'm not going to be receptive to it. Even though I might try to be, even though I might pay for it, I'm not going to really internalize it. So that's why I'm all about respect and empathy. Respect, perspective, empathize with different cultures. That's me in a nutshell, loveless. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. The last question of the day. What is the biggest takeaway you want each and every one of our listeners to take with them and to remember forever and ever? Forever and ever. Listeners, lovely people, global citizens, I want you guys to take in what we said in this conversation. Take in the fact that we are three people from three different places, both where we live and where we're from. And we just had an amazing conversation. And we talked about things that we agree on. And we talked about one thing that we all love, which is sushi. All of our sushi that we like may not be the same. Some people like simple sushi. Some people like sushi that has five, six, seven ingredients. But at the end of the day, 
that doesn't mean that I should be like, oh my gosh, Woon, how dare you like salmon? That is his choice. I should respect his choice. I shouldn't be, you know, like, oh my gosh, Lubna, how could you like the California roll? You should like something else because that's her choice. Respecting people's choices, becoming aware, wanting to be aware and learning about different cultures is going to be your way to make the world a better place. My favorite quote in the entire world is by Mahatma Gandhi, which is, be the change you wish to see in the world. So I implore you to be the change that you want to see in the world. Amen. Oh, that's Amen. amazing quote that you ended with. I love that. Love him. I love that quote. It's what keeps me going. Everything oh. I do is driven by that quote. I love it. So for listeners that are thinking, how do I get in touch with this bubble of energy? How do they do that? Awesome. So first of all, if you're interested in anything that we talked about today, check out my YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash mind travel. And I have a series, like I said, it's called the Allyship 101 series. So if you wanted like a breakdown of everything that you need to know to be an advocate for Black Lives Matter, it's there. You know, if you want to ask me a question about something, if you thought I, something I said was cool and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Tell me more about the Maasai people. My email is mindfrotravel at gmail.com. And that is fro, not for, because my hair is usually in an afro. This is a podcast, so you can't see that, but it is. Mindfrotravel, no S, at gmail.com. And I'm on social media, both Facebook and Instagram at you guessed it, mind fro travel. And I look forward to speaking to you guys. Tell me about yourselves. Tell me where you're from. Tell me about your background. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Cool, cool, cool. Woon, as we wrap up, do you want to share anything with our audience? No, I mean, I think this is an amazing episode and I highly recommend you check out Mindful Travel and Natasha YouTube channel. I think there's so much interesting stories that you've just showed. And um, yeah, I wish you good luck with the mindfulness travel and cultural awareness and inclusion journey that you're on. Thank you, Woon. You guys are awesome. Let me just say... You guys are awesome. This was a great, great, like I had such a good time talking to you. This has definitely been a joy to do and you guys are just great and I love you guys so oh, much. I love you too and thank you. And for those of you that are listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. As always, we would love, love, love to know what has been your biggest takeaway from the conversation that we've had. Do take a moment and share this with us in our Facebook group, The Entrepreneur Sushi Club. You will find the link to this group in the description with this episode. And if you know anyone who will benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with them. Uh, the more we share it, the more people will become more cultural aware. As always, have fun and see you on the next episode. See you. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody.